0: In the left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch.
1: Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field,
0: struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady.
1: And welcome inside episode eighty of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers, and I'm joined once again by Kate Maniscalco, who was uh, actually a little bit late to this this week's episode recording. I didn't want to I do not want to put her on blast like this, but I feel like it's only necessary. Um, Justin, Kate, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. I would like everyone listening to the podcast to know that I was not late. I was early, in fact. Justin. His computer was not working and then do you know what he did he decides to blame me and say it was my microphone and my headphones and it was not it was his
1: i that's that's all hearsay that you can't <laughs> can't can't use that in a court of law um yeah no it's been a debacle and this mm-hmm. this whole podcast is just it's falling apart and we haven't even started yet we have so much cool stuff to talk about this week yeah. but yeah this is kind of this kind of derailed everything um it's been, a, well, it's been a little bit, though, since I've talked to Kate, because we ha- we interviewed Pete a couple weeks ago, and that was last week's episode, the, the fallout from Pete Fairbanks. What are you thinking? One week removed from interviewing Pete.
0: I, I think that might have been one of my favorite interviews. He's, Pete's phenomenal. If anyone hasn't listened to it, it's just a very funny episode. There was one point we were talking about Blink-185, 182, Blink-182. 182. Is that it? Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> talking about a lot of artists. Justin was like, can we get back on track? He got corrected uh, for calling his <laughs> change up a splitter. It was a fun time. Definitely. How were you feeling? How'd you feel about the, the episode?
1: It was the most fun I think I've ever had on this podcast. Uh, Cause it, it was pretty loose. It was pretty casual, but yeah, there was a point where I really wanted to talk about his pitches because I love baseball savant. It's one of my favorite websites. I look at all the moving graphs. I'm like, gosh, I didn't know. I didn't know Pete threw a splitter. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It's, it's definitely a change up. Got corrected very quickly. I just like the people in the comments. They're like, I can't believe, I can't believe he would ask him that. I can't believe he would try to correct the guy that throws it. Like, like acting yeah. like there's like some sort of like pseudo beef between Pete and I. Um, <laughs> there isn't. I think he thought it was hilarious. So, yes. uh, it, but the people that see, only see the clip are like the gall of this guy, the nerve to correct a you. pitcher. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> that would be a it's funny. Fun yeah, that'd be a funny bit just just Pete and I, yeah, having a, a vendetta against each other. I'm sure he would be I'm sure he'd be all for that. Yes. Um so lots happened in the interim though. We have a little trade deadline recap, did a trade deadline preview 2 weeks ago. This is a trade deadline recap. We have an actual baseball fight. A real one. Actua- not not just pushing and shoving. Yep. Fists flying uh and we have all this fun stuff to talk about. So we'll jump right in. We'll start with the top story. You've already seen the video. Like it's it's been floating around ever since Saturday. Tim Anderson getting knocked out by Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. Uh it was that was that was it. That was that was a baseball brawl. Like if you're like searching Twitter and you're like, oh massive brawl, you're like, all right, what's who pushed who? Yeah. No, it was legit.
0: There was a lot of punches were thrown. I I think the best the best part about the whole thing was Anderson throwing his glove on the ground and like fully squaring up that I have not seen. I have not seen on a baseball field. We haven't seen a punch thrown since O'Dor. that, that whole punch heard around the world. And then the only other one that was really recent that I could recall was when Bryce Harper like jumped his helmet and like stared at the pitcher. That was the only other like last two fights I could vividly remember in my head. And they don't even come close to the Anderson and Ramirez. It was also John boys breakdown where they like lip read them was hysterical. It was, it was so good.
1: I need to watch that. My favorite yeah. part is just like of all baseball fights. What usually happens is, is that there's like one big initial like thing and then it like trickles off in a little bit. But then for the next like five to 10 minutes, there's like little side brawls that occur where like the bench coaches are trying to strangle each other. Uh, it, you'll just like the camera will be like panning around. There'll still be like 50 something year old dudes just wanting to, throw down and, yeah. uh, and they always take way longer than they should. But we have a little news based off of this. They handed the suspensions down the other day from this, Tim Anderson, not only did he get knocked out and he got up all wobbly. He also got the most games of anybody involved in that little fracas. Uh, yep. He got six games. Jose Ramirez only got three. Uh, Emmanuel Classe Terry Francona Pedro Graffal, the white Sox manager and guardians third base coach, Mike Sarball again, Old people wanted to strangle each other off to the side. They all got a single game. Uh, The third base coach was actually trying to fight Pedro Grafal. So, I love it. That's my favorite part about baseball brawls. I think that's funnier than, like, the bullpen people jogging in is, like, geriatric coaches trying to, like, relive their glory days.
0: Oh, my gosh. It was the best. Like, it's almost like when the teachers come up in a recital, they're like, oh, we're gonna do like the teachers dance now. And it's all the parents like, no, I just want to, I just want to watch the kids do their dance, not the teachers. But I also thought Terry, um, Francona's post-game interview when he was like, corrected the reporter, it wasn't a left hook by Ramirez. It was a right hook and then said, boys will be boys. Let the, let the boys fight. <laughs> you know, Ramirez is a lover. He's not a fighter. Anderson was ready to roll, but I thought, I thought the brawl was very interesting. And again, all you have to do is literally scroll on t- Twitter for five minutes and you can find it.
1: Yeah. It's well, it's, it's it was, yeah, it's Saturday night, just scrolling on Twitter. I don't know. It was like I don't know, nine or 10 o'clock at night. I was just doing nothing. I was like, Oh, this, is, this is gonna be great. Um, yeah. I just like the fact that MLB like completely agreed with Jose Ramirez's after the game statements of like, no, Tim Anderson has been doing this shit for a while. He's been hard tagging people for a yeah. while. He's the reason why he did this. And because of that, twice the amount of games that Jose did. Even though Jose is just wild, like not even looking at him, right hook, reporter. Uh, the fact that that connected so cleanly and so so beautifully is chef's kiss.
0: It was great. It was it was good. It was it was good for baseball. We we don't get those every once in a while, so it's nice.
1: It's a you know it's a low point in the sports calendar right now. Like NFL is just barely starting to get ramped up again. We have Hard Knocks tonight. If you're listening to this, this was last night, so I need to watch Hard Knocks. Um, but yeah, this is a perfect time for a baseball brawl to happen. So um, it got me thinking, though, and you talked a little bit about some older brawls that occurred. I, I wanted to do the thought experiment of what are the top five baseball brawls in history? And I have a five through one that I will do right now. I'll start with number five. I have 2004's Jason Veritek and Alex Rodriguez. And my favorite picture of all time where Veritek just pushes and smushes the glove into A-Rod's face. Just an all-time... Iconic. Like... That's an all-time lip-reading one too. You will see, a Rod just like, no, fuck you. Yeah, it's it was so good. Um, number four, I was at this game, so it's I had to put it on my list. It was 2016's Manny Machado. He fought the, the late Giordano Ventura. Charged the mound, and they were just rolling around and trying to kill each other. Um, it was that was that what a time to be at the ballpark. It's just the, the adrenaline was pumping. Everybody was screaming. It was like you're at a UFC cage match. It was great. Yep. Um, number three. I have 2019's Amir Garrett tried to fight the entire Pirates dugout by himself. Just <laughs> still, him. <laughs> still one of my favorite videos of all time. Where, like, there's, like, the mound visit and the manager and, and Amir were talking. He's just like, all right, just dropped his shit and tried to fight yeah. the entire dugout by himself. It's an all-timer. Uh, number two, I have the thing you mentioned a little bit earlier. It is 2016's Neto Odor connecting on the cleanest punch you have ever seen right in Joey Bat's face um that like slow-mo where his face got all smushed yep. and deformed just an all-time uh and my favorite it's number one it's 93 your uh robin ventura charged the mound and he tried to beat up 46 year old nolan ryan but nolan put him in a headlock and was just beating the ever loved shit out of him robin was uh 26 and nolan was 46 yep. so uh just just it was so much fun to watch that so that was my five through one would you would you have add anybody else in there you think that's appropriate?
0: I thought it was good. I would add 1998 Orioles Yankees when Benitez hit, Tino, know, yeah. benches clearing brawl. Strawberry comes in, gets a nice hook out of. Of course, Strawberry Strawberry's like, I got, I got to get in, I got to get involved in this. Comes hooks Benitez in the, uh, in like the side of the head. That one was iconic. because That one like went into the dugout. Like they moved from the center into the dugout. That was that would definitely be on my list as well.
1: <laughs> I think there was another Pirates Reds brawl that 2019 year. Um I, I think there I think there was one where Yasiel Puig was in it or something. He was like traded. I don't know. There's some the Pirates and Reds going at it was so much fun a couple years ago. Yeah. Um but uh last couple things on this Tim Anderson, Anderson's fall from grace. You probably yeah. heard about this by now, but uh he's he's a career 283 hitter. This year it's 244 and is, he has the lowest OPS among qualified hitters. So uh, this is a person that a couple of years ago won the. I think he hit the highest highest batting average in baseball in 2019, and now it's like really bad.
0: It's really bad, and it, and it's tough too that he's fallen from grace, and now, you know, the thing that happened last year with him and Josh Donaldson, that whole brawl, and then this year with him and Ramirez, like it's it's just gonna, he's just going to be remembered now. I'm worried as someone who's just you know picking fights, which is tough.
1: Yeah, it's. I, I'm, I can't imagine that his teammates love this either because i'm sure they don't that's one thing you don't really think about is when like two 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 teams go at it and start fighting each other like people could get hurt like you yeah. could trip and break your whatever you could step on a batting helmet and t- yep. you know twist and break whatever um so i'm sure they would prefer to not be in those situations and i feel like tim consistently puts them in them so uh yeah. it's not a great yeah. time for the white sox yeah well i remember the WBC people were like hey tim anderson he's back this guy's, this guy's killing it. Yep. Six races. I feel like he would
0: have been traded too if he was having a better year. We just wanted another like infielder on the market. And now, because they traded yeah. the entire team for the White Sox.
1: Yeah. Anything that wasn't nailed down got moved at the deadline for the uh, yeah. Chicago White Sox. So, a um, lot going on with that. Uh, I, w- I did want to talk a lot about the New York Yankees because uh, <laughs> there was a fantastic piece in the athletic just talking about they had the worst week ever. We'll kind of go piece by piece from this whole implosion here. We'll talk about the trade deadline first to only go out and get a middle reliever, ironically from the Chicago white Sox and Kenny Middleton. I think a third or a triple a prospect person. That was it. Like what, what should they have done? And then how would you kind of rate what ended up happening back on July 31st?
0: I think they had the worst one, if not the worst, one of the worst decision-makings at the trade deadline. And because, I kind of wish they picked a lane and we'll talk about this a little bit further in the episode, but I think the Mets at the end of the day were one of the winners. I mean, they made a decision. We are not going to get to the playoffs with this team. So I'm going to go and I'm going to rebuild for 24, 25, 26, etc. Especially having like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer spending that much money on older guys. The Yankees don't pick a lane. They had rentals that they could have offered up. They had Harrison Bader. They had Gleber Torres. They had Wandi Peralta. They had IKF. Definitely could have gotten a lot of pieces for them. So they don't sell. Then you could also say on the counter side is that Aaron Judge came back. Garrett Cole is having a Cy Young year. So, all right, let's buy. Let's see what we can do. And you, you kind of don't do either. So as a Yankee fan, you, in your mind, you're like, what is the direct, there's no direction of the season. And I feel for the players as well, especially someone like Garrett Cole, who's been doing so well, he's probably like, you're not going to go out and get a bat. I mean, you could have upgraded at third, you could have upgraded at left. But the only thing I will say in the Yankees defense is that there, it wasn't one of the best trade markets this year. Like it's not, like you had a lot of top guys that you could really get the Cubs decided they weren't going to sell stuff like that. It's, it's tough. It it was, it was a tough trade deadline, but I do think they could have done a little bit better.
1: I feel like not to play devil's advocate, but to play devil's advocate for a second. The, the pieces that like they had that like were expiring contracts were not appealing at all. Like, What is, what is Harrison Bader hitting like 240? Like Severino is having like one of his worst years ever. IKF. I mean, you're not, these are guys that would probably not bring back hardly anything in return. So I feel like they looked at that and they're like, well, we can't really be, we don't have a lot to sell. And they're probably hamstrung by, they don't have a, like they don't have a ton of top prospects and, and contract flexibility and payroll flexibility to go out and add. And also there really wasn't anything to add really on the market. Um, most because the Angels just scooped up everybody. Like I was thinking, like, yeah, yeah Randall Gritchik would have been nice. He's not a lefty, but um, there's guys they could have added maybe, but I don't know, maybe they just like, ah, screw it. We'll just try to win with the guys we have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think it gives support to the guys. And to your point, I did read an article where they said Cashman was, I mean, this is per source, so this is, we don't know how accurate this is, that Cashman was very picky, basically, with his... Rental, so he was asking for a lot more than what people deemed worthy for people like Labor Torres, Harrison Bader, stuff like that. And again, with the prospects, they have been very open that they do not plan on giving away Austin Wells, uh, Dominguez, Trey Sweeney, so or Peraza. So if they're not going to give away four of their top prospects, and they don't really have the rentals that are having like killer years, it is tough for them to be buyers at the deadline.
1: Yeah, so I don't necessarily fault them for that. I mean, you. Well, one of the things we'll talk about in a minute was just like you. You were thinking at this point, Carlos Rodon would be coming back, firing on all cylinders. But yeah, um, we'll touch on him in a second. I think I'm kind of jumping ahead here. Um, you had that happen, and then middle of the week, Domingo Herman comes into work drunk, smashes the TV. He was like heckling his teammates. He got he was yelling at Aaron Boone. They they put him in the sauna to try and make him sweat it out, which is kind of weird. And they had like they locked him in like the nap room or something. what what a scene that must have been at the clubhouse at yankee stadium um where does that rank in terms of like weird yankee stories because i don't that's pretty much one or one a i have to think i
0: it's definitely it's definitely at the top it's definitely at the top what's weird is that when talking yanks interviewed boone this week and said you know booney you gotta you gotta say it's a crazy it's been a crazy week he's like no, we've definitely had crazier weeks in Yankees history. So I am curious at the end of the day, what might have passed that. I was also very shocked that her mom thing even came out. If I'm being honest, like, I didn't even know if that full story would come out. I th- think it would just be like, Oh, you know, he showed up drunk and that was it. And we're just going to, but no, a full article came out on that story, which I, I mean, shout out Lindsay Adler. Like that was, that was very, it's interesting read. It was, and it like, chirping Ron Marinaccio saying like, haha, you're going back going no, back to exactly. AAA. Like what? I don't know. I am, I will say for Herman, I am happy that he's, he's getting the help that he needs. Cause like, obviously that's like no joke, but just as the Yankee season has gone on, it's just like, I feel like it's just one thing after another and we'll get to the next thing <laughs> in a second.
1: Yeah. I mean, like when did he, was it a perfect game?
0: a couple weeks ago. Perfect game. Yep, perfect game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you go from that to I think he was upset about the outcome of like the night before his game or something. And he just yeah, I mean, that's something's going on and yeah, that that was an odd it was an odd athletic article to read. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um that's The next one is it's it's even weirder. It's Anthony Rizzo's unknowingly played with a concussion through for 2 months. So it was May 28th. It was like Fernando Tatis and him collided at first base on a pickoff. But he like passed the concussion test and he sat out a little bit. And he's like, I'm going to try to play through it. And then it's just been like foggy and his like timing has been off. And he's been the worst hitter in baseball in that stretch. I mean, do you, I know that they haven't assessed blame anywhere. It's like, they're like, Hey, it's nobody's fault. Do you do you buy that? Like, are you, are you of that opinion? That is nobody's fault.
0: I actually, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's it's the medical staff's fault. And I'll say this because my sister is in her fourth year of medical school. So we were talking about the concussion thing. And she made a very good point and said, when you take a concussion test, and that, those who have not taken it, it's basically like this very annoying, tedious test. Like, everyone has to take it at the beginning of the season. And then you get a baseline. Now, if Rizzo did what I did when I was in college and say, this is, you know, whatever, I'm just going to pick random answers because it's really annoying. It's like a two-hour test. Your baseline is really, really low. So whatever he scored on that concussion test when he came back played a huge factor in what his like brain chemistry was in terms of the collision. So if you if you're passing the tests, if you're passing concussion tests, you're saying you're a little foggy. They're like, all right, you're gonna sit out a couple of days and you'll be fine. And he doesn't want to complain. He said, I didn't want to complain. I didn't want to say I was dizzy. He was waking up feeling hungover without drinking he would forget how many outs there were in an inning. But again, you forget how many outs you're like, oh, that happens all the time. Oh, I forgot. I, I guess it's two outs, not one. So little things like that. And then I just, the only, the only red, red, red flag that I, is when your numbers plummet as much as Rizzo's did. I mean, he, he couldn't, he couldn't get a hit. Hadn't hit a home, home run in like multiple, multiple games. That, that was the only thing that was a little bit tough. But I don't, I don't place blame. I'm curious as an outsider. I know I'm also an outsider, but like a little bit more outside. If you place blame.
1: Uh, a little bit on maybe just like the fact that they kept him in the lineup and they didn't think twice about the head injury for this long. Like, okay. I, I get it. And in baseball. There's not that many concussions, thankfully. So there, they, a lot of people, a lot of times I have a lot of experience dealing with this kind of thing. It, but I, I have to think that maybe Aaron Boone or, or somebody could like, like, Hey, He's batting, like, 160 or something in the last, like, month. Like, why did it have to take two full months for them to be like, wait a minute, he did hit his head. Like, that, that's the only thing that, like, concerned me a little bit. He's like, oh, well, you know, Anthony's a competitor. He's going to try to play through this. He's, you know, his numbers aren't great right now, but he's a, he's a good longtime hitter in this league. It's like, I don't i don't know if I would have taken two months to be, to to, you know, raise some red flags for that one.
0: Yeah, and I think also, if you... Just think about, like, all the analytics people. Think about all the researchers. Like, there, there was no researcher, no analytics guy that said, well, guys, it, we can point back to the exact date that it really started to tip off, and it was when he got hit with Tatis. Me, like, think about how many statistics we follow. Like, All you had to do was say, like, you know, this date was when it really started to plummet. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy.
1: Yeah, it's it, that's not even the. I have we have two more crazy things though. Yeah, is the fact that Carlos Rodon exited Sunday's game against the Astros in the third inning and he grabbed his leg, and then this season hit him at his 7.33 ERA, or not killing it right now. But uh, this is a guy in his first year of a, of a very long, very expensive contract in New York, and to say it hasn't gone well will be an understatement. So I, are we are we pressing the panic button? Is this can we slap the bust label on this one yet?
0: I don't think it's a failure yet. They just put him on the 15-day IL. So clearly something's up with it. Or I don't know if that's a 15-day IL because he doesn't want to pitch for a little bit wants to work on mechanics or if that's actually a hamstring issue. But I wouldn't say failure yet because it is difficult to come back from injury. And he has been injured since February. It was like like the second spring training game. But it, it's tough. It's, it's like saying, you know, the Rangers, was it a failure to get to Gram? Because, you know, he's hurt. But I, I don't think you can just say it's a failure. Before you've actually seen him pitch a couple, you know, five, 10, 15 games, in my opinion.
1: I mean, I think I read he's like still striking guys out. So there's like a glimmer of hope, but you're basically just, you know, passing on an, on an entire year where it's the first year of was it was at six years, 162. Yeah. So you're paying them all this money for a full calendar year and you're going to get, I mean, maybe he'll come back in a couple of weeks, but then the season will be almost over and then it's October and the Yankees probably aren't in the playoffs. So it's like, I don't know. And I also, when, Rodon to the Yankees was first announced. Brian, he was like, I really don't think they needed him. I feel like they probably could have used that money elsewhere. Uh yeah, I I I might still go back to that and be like, you got you probably didn't need him.
0: I think you definitely need I think you definitely needed a pitcher. Just just because if you think about it, especially right now with the year Severino is having, now you're down to Cole, Nestor, who is coming back from injury, and Clark Schmidt, who's not a starter. He's not. He's a reliever that we just made into a starter this year because we said, "Oh nope, we are out of starting pitchers." So at the time, they probably—I don't know if they like really needed him. Probably should have addressed left field, but here we are. Here we are in August. Tears are flowing. It's not. It's not a good look.
1: I feel like this all just gets magnified too, where it's like Aaron Judge has been was hurt for a while and he's just coming yeah. back, and it's like. I feel like he's kind of that guy that can kind of like deflect all the criticism. Cause just cause how well he plays. And it's like, regardless of how shitty the other guys on the, on the roster are doing at that very moment, you are like, Hey, judge is here. He's getting Another home run. We won again. But it's like when he isn't there, or he's like hurt or kind of like still kind of hobbling a little bit. You're like, Oh God, we're bad. We're like really bad.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's it's tough too. like, they showed a clip like one of the end of the games and like, Zoomed in on every single person's face on the field. And they just, they look lifeless, which sucks. You know, like I, I especially early, not August, 2022, because it was tough that yes, that month, but early 2022 last year, they, they were the best team in baseball. They, co- they couldn't freaking lose a game. They were so much fun to watch. They had such high hopes this year because they did a lot during the offseason And it's, it's been tough, especially for fans. Frustrating for the players, I'm sure, because they have to go out there and do it every day. Yeah,
1: it's rough. I think the icing on the cake that we have just made is Giancarlo Stanton, when he rounded rounded second, rounded third, It was coming home and he was running at about probably 30% speed and was thrown out conservatively by, I don't know, 15, 20 feet. Um, he had to put the brakes on. I was a little worried when he put the brakes on at the very end at home. I was like, oh fuck, is he going to hurt himself? Like it just come to that abrupt stop after that. So um, I think after all that we just mentioned, seeing Giancarlo running the bases probably had to put you over the edge.
0: <laughs> it's tough because Justin and I always joke and say, I'm Yankees PR. I'll always defend, defend until I can't defend anymore. In my opinion, I love Stanton, but I, I do think that is unacceptable. Y- you got, you got tie ball game, base hit, you're on second. You got to run, you got to run as hard as you can. And anything below that is unacceptable. And in Boone said today on the podcast, I think Stanton's got a little bit more in him, but he is apprehensive to go full speed for risk of injury. Now, do you say that the third base coach probably shouldn't have sent him? Maybe. But you could also say he's getting paid a lot of money. He's a professional athlete. He can sprint from second to home. That's just... But it's it's tough. It's, It's frustrating when you have Stanton jogging. Essentially.
1: Yeah, it's uh, hey, you know what? He's he's a free agent 20 after the 2027 season, so you only have four or five more years left. (laughs)
0: Yep, we'll see, we shall see. Only, only, I like, I do like Sin. That's that's that is frustrating, though. That's frustrating, and I'm sure Stanton can even come out and say himself, I should have been better.
1: I'm sure if we
0: if Stan was on here right now, he would say, You know what, Kate. You're right. I should have been better. I agree with the buck you.
1: buck stops here. Yep.
0: The buck stops here. <laughs> anyway. What a
1: week. What a week. What a week for the Yankees. What a last couple days for my Baltimore Orioles. Because in a year where the Orioles have been, one like, probably the best story in baseball, they, they're in yes. first place. They have 70 Love wins. Them. They're winning again tonight, and we're taping this. And to go from all of that, to now, they have become the laughing stock of baseball and the sports broadcasting profession because they have suspended their own broadcaster, Kevin Brown, for comments that he made before a July 23rd game against the Rays. And I'm sure you guys have seen this by now. If you've looked on Twitter, this video has like 13 and a half million views. People like Larry the Cable guy are weighing in with their own opinions just everybody everybody in the media and all twitter has an opinion about this so i love kevin brown let's just let's just paint the let's paint the background here let's get a little color to this story kevin Brown is one of the best young broadcasters in baseball he does espn work he's you know he's worked his ass off to get to where he is he's got a great voice He's passionate about what he does and on july 23rd they are at tropicana field it was like that pregame you know they're like solo camera talking kind of segment And Kevin Brown said, quote, the Orioles have won three of the first five games of the Trop this season after winning three of the 21 games played in St. Petersburg from 2020 to 2022. And nobody thought any of that line when he said it, except for the owner, John Angelos, because they they had the graphic made. They had, you know, Kevin was saying this, and then the owner didn't like that because he said it painted them in a bad light. And he didn't like the fact that you were being negative about the ownership because it made him sound cheap. It's like, oh, you, oh we haven't won here in a couple of years. So then they, they took Kevin off of the TV, off of Masson, and then they put him on the radio for a couple games. And then he just hasn't been on since July 26th. And then that's, I don't know how many days that was, but it's August 8th, and he's not coming back until Friday the 11th. So they, Masson, they were like, we don't comment on employment status, but it was a content decision, people's schedules. Obviously, they're not going to tell the truth when it comes to that. Um, and I'm sure whenever Kevin Brown comes back on the air, I'm sure he won't acknowledge this at all because he doesn't want to get fired. But I, I, this story was so unbelievable. It took me a while to be like, Oh, that can't be right. This isn't real. No, they, they, they wouldn't do that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would you suspend somebody for stating a clear fact? And it, it wasn't like that wasn't a suspendable offense in any means. Uh, but just the Angelos family, its it's one of the most underratedly bad ownership groups in all of baseball. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, I mean, good God. What, what did you think? You're not an Orioles fan, but you're probably like, what the fuck was this?
0: Yeah. Just, just shocked, especially because I had to reread what he said multiple times. Like I'm going, the Orioles are doing well. So like, what could he have said? Like this is a team like the Yankees and Michael K says like, yeah, this offense has just been awful, which I'm sure nobody would even bat an eye about. Cause I feel like the play by play and color should have that freedom. But what he said was was actually almost a compliment to the Orioles that this year they were able to go out and win some games. And to your point about the graphic being made, I'm just going to regurgitate what Michael K said on his show yesterday. Like that was that that rundown comes out at like three, four o'clock for a seven o'clock game. Sometimes a lot, a lot sooner. So that's on. Then what? We're going to suspend the producer, the director, the graphics coordinator, the graphics operator. He just read the gra- he just read the graphic. But that was all planned by the studio truck. That is what's mind-boggling to me. But just because the broadcaster said it, we're going to suspend him. Like, what? What are we doing? And I, how do you not give them that? I'm not saying you got to go in there and, and just you know bash the team, but your team is doing well, and that's not what he was doing. Can you imagine being like the A's broadcaster? I don't know. They have a hard I just, job. Like, that, that's a, that's a tough job. But, yeah. I don't, I, that, that story really got me fired up because, especially because he's a great broadcaster. And again, you said young talent, it's, it's a tough look.
1: It's so bad. And the, oh, here's a fun fact for you. The reason why he was put onto the radio was because the Orioles in Mass and they have this rule from ownership that you have to wear Orioles branded gear at all times. And apparently somebody on the radio side didn't do that or took, a, you know, took homage or whatever. They didn't like it. So they took the person off of the radio. We don't know who this was, but they took him off of the radio and they, the only person available to call games on the radio was Kevin. So he was he was suspended from TV broadcasting, but because they were so short staffed, they didn't have enough play-by-play people. Maybe Kevin showed up with his polo on that day. Uh, they were like, no, you have to do the radio. That's it. You can't, you can't be on front of the camera and call games on mass and like you normally do. You have to do the radio, but only for three days. And then the radio people will come back and then you have to go home because the Orioles PR staff that typed out and put all stuff on the graphic has just made us a national laughingstock. Um, but I, I went back and I looked because like I said, the Angelos family, they're not well received in the city of Baltimore because for years, it was John's dad, Peter, like they have just been involved in so many petty squabbles. Uh, I don't know if you heard of John Miller. He, he used to be Sunday night baseball. He's been the giants broadcaster forever. He was the Orioles guy and he was awesome. But in the, in the mid nineties, uh, ownership deemed him too critical of the ball club. So after 96, they let John Miller go because they said they wanted somebody who would bleed black and orange. Uh, one of the all-time best baseball broadcasters ever, John Miller. And then they've just been in this weird petty thing with the Nationals for like a decade over TV rights fees that they didn't want to have to pay, that they eventually had to pay. Um, they were too cheap. They didn't want to keep Gary Thorne. Again, one of the best baseball broadcasters ever on Masson, literally because they just wanted a little, probably a little more money. So they let all they, they basically let their entire broadcast crew go because they want to pay them and then back in January Dan Connolly of the athletic and John Angelos got into one of those awkward like passive aggressive conversations uh, during an MLK day event with the mayor of Baltimore so this this ownership group is it's like uh, there's it's they have so many things going wrong with them at all times that this is just like I should have believed this story when I read it initially because I'm like oh it's, oh it has to do with the Angelosis yeah that checks out Whatever. Insert bad thing here.
0: Yeah, that's wow. I, I didn't realize the extent that far back that it went.
1: It, it's a long-standing thing. Oh, also another fun fact is that you can't mention Orioles that aren't on the team anymore if you're on Masson. Uh, you get what? you get, repr, you, get repr, you get reprimanded if broadcasters are like talking up or hyping up old Orioles that aren't with the team anymore. Um, can't can't do that. So you have to wear Orioles rule. gear.
0: Or a Masson <laughs> yeah. rule.
1: No, that's an ownership front to Masson. To Masson the Orioles it. own Masson. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, it's it's not great, and we're just it's getting tough. dragged across the internet.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think every, I I think I saw almost every single broadcaster come out and say something for yeah. him, which is
1: which is great. Tight knit community. Yeah, they all yeah. came together. I just wish it wasn't at our expense. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool when everybody rallies behind something, but it's not fun when it's your team. And you're like, guys, come on. Come on. Can we we have to do that? Everybody. Everybody has an opinion on this. Yes. Um, Bad week. Bad week for the Orioles. Feel bad for Kevin Brown. I don't know. I don't know what his, his, uh, I think it's August 11th in Seattle. So that'll be, I can't wait to see Kevin walk back into the booth like that. Um. All right. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the Original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The Original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteeing a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. To go up 95 a little bit, we're talking about the phillies because trey turner it's been one of the worst starts to a contract i've ever seen he just so he had that 11 year 300 million dollar contract first year in philly he's their guy great world baseball classic he's batting 238 and he has 13 errors that's the fifth most in baseball and he actually one of his errors cost the phillies a game against the marlins last week where he bobbled it and he just booted it and then the marlins tied it and they eventually won the game if you, i don't know if you saw the clip after he's like a, He's like holding back tears. Trey Turner was. Um, And it was just a a sad, sad week for Trey. Uh, But Philly fans, they did something very uncharacteristically Philly when they came home. Uh, They gave him a standing ovation in his first at bat. And it was a very, I think Trey hit a home run that game. It was like a great game, but um, it's been a bad, bad time to be Trey Turner though, this year.
0: Tough time, a tough time, especially because with all the shortstops on the market in the off season, like, Tray was, like, number one. Him and Correa were up there. It's crazy, too. Like, Dansby Swanson is doing so well. And I remember everyone was like, oh, the Cubs got the worst shortstop in the
1: signings. I'm
0: like, really? I don't think so. No,
1: they kind of it, rate.
0: yeah. Um, but, yeah, just to your point about the fans standing, you know, positive reinforcement. Would not peg that from Philadelphia fans. I will <laughs> say that. But super happy for Trey, yeah. And then he um, had a homer, and then they beat the Royals, which was awesome. But... Just, yeah, I, I feel like we really need to bring back the positive reinforcements. Maybe the booing we put we put on the back burner.
1: Do you think it was a sincere stand in ovation, or do you think it was a little bit, maybe a little, like, a little snarky?
0: No, I think it was sincere. I think it was nice.
1: I can't believe your this mind This is Philadelphia we're talking about. This is Philadelphia. They're like, let's all stand in sarcasm. <laughs> Sarcastically cheer him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put that past him.
0: No, I think it was, I think it was nice. And then, and then that was just great. That was, I thought that was great, especially in comparison to fans like Yankees. I mean, Aaron judge hit 62 home runs last year strikes out the postseason. He gets booed. So, I mean, it's nice that they got the Philly band standing up because someone's struggling at the plate.
1: And then for, for Trey to turn around and then he took out a series of billboards across the city that says, thank you, Philly. That's like a, that's like a farewell tour thing. I'm surprised they didn't take out an ad in the, in like the paper with like a full page. Like, that's just a weird, I did I I didn't see that coming out where it's just like, Hey guys, really appreciated what you did for me there. You really picked me up when I was down. They just go spend thousands of dollars and get full billboards that say, thank you.
0: I think if you're making $300 million in 11 years, you can, you can splurge on some billboards in my opinion. It's
1: just weird though. Like it's nice. You have to thank them for doing something that they should be doing every time.
0: Yeah, but not not a standing ovation when you're struggling doesn't really happen.
1: Maybe maybe not maybe not boo him as much. Maybe if they just like gave him the normal amount, or I don't know, just like let him work through some things. Maybe maybe they would he wouldn't feel compelled to be like, oh wow, let me. They really went above and beyond because they didn't call me a dickhead or something. <laughs> they didn't throw things at me this game.
0: Yeah. I, th- I thought you. it was. I thought it was nice. I thought it was a nice gesture. I'm. I wonder who started it. Like, did they all? Did they all have like a group chat? Like, how did they all decide Ooh, to do that? Point. You know.
1: Yeah. That's a good. point. Did someone yeah. stand
0: up and say, "Everyone, get up"? <laughs> I don't think that happened.
1: <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe somebody misinterpreted. It. Maybe somebody stood up and was trying to start the wave. <laughs> maybe. They're like, oh, we're cheering. It's like, no, no, no. I just wanted to. Okay, same thing. Okay. It's um, fine. It's fine. Either one. Either one's fine. Uh, Philly, though, underrated, tough place to play, perhaps, because like, I remember when Bryce Harper first went there in 2019, he scuffled, and I found an article because it said uh, he was batting 188 from April 7th to like middle of May, and he was booed incessantly, and he said, if I were them, I would boo me too, and then Castellanos struggled last year, and he got the shit booed out of him. Schwarber's had his fair share of struggles there. It's, that's a tough and then even Kevin Long the hitting coach was like Trey just needs a what was the exact quote uh we're all we're all working really hard to get him more comfortable but it's filling. it takes time to adjust to the way it is here. That sucks. Like that's
0: terrible. Yeah. It's it's a tough state to play in. It's like LA, it's like New York, it's like anything like that. Or do you mean the comment that he made about it? That he just no, has to adjust
1: think, to Philly. No, I think the fact that there is has to be an adjustment period at all is a little like the, the, Philly, the, the Phillies went like a good, I don't know, 10, 15 years without being in the playoffs, being relevant. And now that they're finally good again, it's like, I don't know. It's just, it, it shouldn't be this. I know if Philly's Phillies like this tough city. They expect a lot, whatever, but I don't know. It's, it, the fact that they have all these guys that come in from other teams and they're like, whoa, did, was not expecting it to be this rough. But you brought this up and the Phillies, red hot. And I ha- I looked up this phenomenon Lead off Kyle Schwarber, because I think he even had two home runs tonight. So some of these numbers probably aren't up to date. But before the games on Tuesday, he was second in the majors with 147 strikeouts. He had the worst average among qualified hitters. And among his 75 hits, 28 of them were home runs. So you look at that, and you're like, guy's not killing it. Hits home runs. But since they put Schwarber back in the leadoff spot, they're 36-19. and And they have the second-best record in baseball in that span. Coincidence, I think not.
0: No way. The, lead off, Kyle Schwarber.
1: This, lead off, Kyle Schwarber. Just killing it. This is it's crazy. So yeah, and then they're also 14 and 0 when Kyle Schwarber hits a home run.
0: That's insane. That's a cr- that's like an I I keep bringing up the Yankees, but that's like an Aaron Judge. <laughs> Same thing. I wouldn't yeah, I peg Kyle Schwarber out. to be like the face of the team right now.
1: Not me either. Because he, all he does is he strikes out every single time. And it's really frustrating. But then he just somehow gets the team going at like at all times. Um, he had an interesting quote that I wanted to bring up, too. He said, at the end of the day, it's about winning a baseball game. And 0 for 4 with a win is great. But if you go 3 for 4 at a loss, that sucks. And the only thing you have to care about at the end of the day is winning. I know there are younger guys who play for stats and things like that. But for me, I'm here to win. And to get back to the way we were last year. Um, so, Kyle Schwarber, win, win at all costs, even if you go over.
0: That's a team mentality. I mean, but also, like, what is he going to say? Like, <laughs> you, I feel like a lot of the players in the post game, they say, if someone's like, you know, you hit a grand slam. He's like, yeah, but they're like, yeah, but we lost. So it doesn't matter. Stats so don't, yeah. don't matter. Just got to win the game. That's very PR answer. I'm not saying bad. he doesn't mean it. Just saying,
1: PR answer. The only, the only stat I look at is wins and losses. Uh, it's been really good this year, though. Second wild card. Them and the Giants, neck and neck, top of that NL wild card picture. Um, are we thinking are we thinking a little October magic run for the Phillies again this year?
0: I'm praying. I hope the Phillies make the playoffs this year. They're they're my NLs. Them and the Cubs. Those, those, are, my, those are my teams that I want in. Everyone else can yeah. just drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big underdog no. girl. <laughs>
1: Well, you should be – I mean, I was talking to my dad about this the other day. He's like, oh, you know the Braves are just, just – it's just going to be the Braves and they're just run through everybody. Maybe, but there's still yeah, teams like the Reds. I want to see what they do in October. The Phillies, like they're – the Giants. Yeah, There's some teams in the NL that could, you know, make some noise.
0: Yeah. That'd be crazy Why if not? they lost, like the Braves and the DS. Oh, my gosh.
1: Be insane. Oh, God. Yeah. That would be fun. Braves, Phillies, NLDS. I oh, like the
0: Dodgers last year are freaking getting knocked down. <laughs> what did the Dodgers have? Freaking 100 and what? 10 wins? 107 wins? Something like that last year?
1: San Diego Magic.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Let's stick in LA, though. Let's go across. Let's go to Orange County because we're talking about the Angels. Um. Okay. We talked a lot about their trade deadline and their trade deadline preview. The decision had come out. We're not trading Otani. We're actually going to build around Otani. They did. They went out. They got Was it Giolito, Gritchick, Crone. Mm-hmm. All these guys, uh, Reynaldo Lopez, also another middle reliever. Um, post-deadline, though, they've lost seven in a row. They were swept at home by the Mariners, uh, who were actually selling everybody. And my favorite thing that I heard was on July 31st, they were 56 and 51. They had like a 19 and half percent chance to make the playoffs. Now they are 56 and 58, and they have a 1% chance of making the playoffs according to Fangraphs. So how will we look back and remember the trade deadline of 2023 for the Los Angeles Angels.
0: I commend them for going for it. I commend them. Is, is it a risk? It's a risk. It's a very big risk. Would I have taken the risk? Absolutely not. I would have said, let me see what I can get for Shohei. But again, you have to think about it. Like It, it would have been a rental too. You know what I mean? So how much could they have really gotten for him at that point? And do, do you want to be the owner that that traded Shohei Otani. I don't want to be the owner that traded Shohei Otani. Simultaneously, I'm not taking the risk, but I commend them for going for it. I'm very curious to hear your take on this.
1: I agree with that. You don't that you don't want to be the guy that traded Shohei. You probably would like to keep that revenue coming in if he does end up chasing Aaron Judge for that AL home run record. You get to you get to pay have people pay to come out and see him pitch and hit, and it's a phenomenon. Or whatever. They, they this is a problem that occurred this is last year's problem because they should have traded him last trade deadline. They could have gotten the, they could have gotten the Juan Soto package of prospects back for them. Probably something even bigger than that. So the fact that they didn't do that really kind of hamstrung them this year because could they have gotten some impact guys? Yeah. Maybe a couple top 100 prospects, but they, they were hot at the wrong time. They were hot at the wrong time. You don't want to get hot and trick yourself into being a buyer when you should be a seller. And that's exactly what they did because they went out and they're like, all right, well let's go out and get G and all these other guys. G. sucks, by the way, now. He, that, he is tough yeah. to watch pitch. Um, and The fact that Mike Trout isn't there also hurts them. Their schedule sucks. It's really, really hard. They have to play the Rays and the Rangers six times each. They have the O's and the Giants and the Phillies and the Astros. It's like there's no easy spots on their upcoming schedule, and they're just going to run through a gauntlet with no pitching and no Mike Trout. So, yeah, I, I mean, if you're an Angels fan – do you? Res- I feel like you might respect it just a little bit, because you never want to give up. You never want to see your team wave the white flag. It's demoralizing. You yes, always want hope. And that's they gave them hope. They gave them hope. I ag- I agree with that completely. Not no not wins though. All they did was they gave them a glimmer of hope because they're like they got the tweet the I'm not fucking leaving thing from Wolf of Wall Street. It's like hey show yeah. hey, hey staying. We're going to the playoffs for the first time since 2014, and then they're not. I think I called it at the time. I said they weren't. So credit to me, first to hear it. They were not making that's the playoffs the longest, this
0: year. I, th- I believe they are. The, they have the longest streak consecutive. Like what is it? Like eight years now they would be going on if they don't make it.
1: Uh yeah, 2014's last time they were in the playoffs. I think that was the wild card game they lost to the Royals. Might be wrong on that. Um, yeah, it's been a while. It's. I feel like there's a, have. have yeah, every other team, I guess, has been to the playoffs since then. Um yeah. bad, bad idea. Should have traded him. And also they just mortgaged their, they have no more prospects left.
0: No. They made a already poor farm system even worse.
1: And maybe you can make the argument it's like, well, the, the farm system sucked before that. So it's like, oh, we weren't dealing Jackson Holiday or some of these big name guys or whatever. It's like, yeah, but like they're still gonna be good. Yeah. Probably. I mean, like they're they were their top prospects. Yes. There's a lot going on with that. Um, I did see this though, and the Drake curse is back. So if you're not if you're not familiar, the rapper Drake, anytime he wears the jersey of a player, anytime he's seen wearing the merch of that player or like bets on this person, he's done that with MMA fighters all the time. Um, they just they get immediately cursed, they suck the next time out. So I saw this on Twitter on August 4th. Drake was wearing the Shohei Otani all-star game jersey. And in the games that followed, Shohei went two for twelve with seven strikeouts and no RBIs. Drake has, has cursed another he has claimed another victim. And it is unfortunately Shohei Otani.
0: It's 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 accurate. I mean it's true, and the Angels also can't win a game.
1: It's just it's just like kicking the Angels when they're down. It's like, really? Now we, now we have Drake wearing our stuff. It's like Drake, can you just stop? It got me thinking, though, funny. if you could put the Drake curse on a player or a team, either one, who, who would you like to see Drake wearing the jersey of next?
0: I'm going to support my Yankee fans with this one. I'm going to say Jose Altuve. Put on an Altuve jersey. <laughs> curse the Astros a little bit. I don't want to see them in the ALCS. Not that the Yankees, I don't know how far we're going to get this year, but I'm going, I'm going Rangers. I want the Rangers to win the West, so you can put a little black magic on the Astros and I'd be okay what about you
1: I think it would be funny if he just came out wearing Yankees stuff because we just talked all about the the worst week the worst week ever I just think it would be so funny if he piled on to that extent he was like wearing a, a Yankees cap I'm not gonna I will I'll give him a Yankees cap I won't give him a specific player because I don't know I'm not that mean but I do think it would be funny if he was just like I'm a Yankees fan now I don't. Th- I, I don't. I think no. you don't think that's funny. <laughs> he brought the boys on stage. He brought
0: Judge. He brought Stanton on stage with him. He he's not cursing anyone. He's only bringing good good magic.
1: <laughs> we need to weaponize the Drake curse. Like teams should yeah. like hire him to like wear the other teams. Wear team. Like wh- why <laughs> hasn't this become? <laughs> why hasn't this become a thing? Where it's or in like in the World Series, he just shows up and he wears like a Phillies jersey last year. I don't know. No, crazy. I think I think we we may be to something with the Drake curse. Um, okay, couple more things. I saw this very underrated thing that's happened in the NL West. The Arizona Diamondbacks just forgot how to play baseball in the month of July. They RIP to the Diamondbacks. They had a great run this season. Unfortunately, I'm calling it. They're not going to make the playoffs because on June 28th they were 48 and 32. 40 plus 40 run differential, two and a half game lead. They're in first place in the NL West. Since then, it's been ugly. They've gone nine and 21. That's a 300 win percentage. They've been outscored 44 runs uh, by 44 runs. They've gone 57 and 53 was the record. Now, uh, and they have a a minus 4 run differential. That's the worst. The NL, the Rockies have done better than that. So, I don't. This is something that like. We, we might have talked a little bit about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like, oh, this is great. They're young. Their payroll's low. They have Corbin Carroll. But this this has been one of the most underratedly bad teams in baseball. And I can't, it just, it hurts me to to have this happen.
0: Well, it's tough, too, because everyone thought they were going to be passing the Dodgers. They're so like, oh, this Diamondbacks year, they're going to do it. Past the doctors for hot was going, what am I watching right now? Like, they're in first place. Like, this is crazy. Really falling off, though, especially just the numbers. Is this, is this since June 28th or post-June 28th, these numbers? Like, since July.
1: Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, the whole month, the whole month of July has been better.
0: And, yeah. I also feel like they could have addressed more at the deadline, maybe helped out a little bit, but they didn't. So it's, it's a tough look for them. And I also have them, like, absolutely making the playoffs. And now I'm just not really sure.
1: No, and it sucks because like now the NL West balance of power is back where people thought it was going to be with the Dodgers on top again. But yeah, to bring up to, you mentioned the trade deadline. They did go out and they acquired Paul Seawall, the closer from the Mariners. They got Tommy Pham to stick out in the outfield. But the big thing this, then there was a lot of teams in this same camp where it's like, they need a young controllable starting pitching. And there was none. There was one starter that was traded at this year's deadline. That was young and controllable. And that was Aaron Savali who went to the Rays. I'm not putting Verlander and Scherzer in there. I'm sorry, uh, that's a whole different thing. There's just there wasn't the quality and quantity of arms that could really help playoff contenders this year. And I think the Diamondbacks were really like hamstrung by that. The fact that their starting pitching has been so bad. They have the seventh highest starter ERA in all of baseball. Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, have been good, but outside of that, it is bad. They have a guy named this like, it's like P- Paft or something. He's like an. eight. A- era it's bad um yeah they they did what they could on this year's trade market but i think they were probably them the reds the orioles but the Orioles got Flaherty, but there's a bunch of these teams that really could have used better starting pitching and there just was none
0: yeah but also there weren't a lot of starting pitchers on the market too like top ones i mean they didn't stroman was staying with the cubs giolito went to the angels which again but they, they could have used giolito but it, yeah, it's tough. Dylan Cease wasn't traded, so it was a tough time to be in the trade market in general. But again, I, I agree with you. I think they could have gotten a better a better pitcher. And it's really just been Gallon and Merrill the entire time. Mm-hmm.
1: That's it. Yeah, it's and they have like they're when they're hitting is good, their pitching's bad. When their pitching's good, the hitting's bad. It's just very inconsistent. Um, so, like I said, it's been fun. Diamondbacks, you made some noise. You've been on the steady incline for several years now, but uh, this ain't it. So, apologies. Um, all right, we did want to talk a little bit about another team in the West. This is the Texas Rangers. Uh, they've been red hot. Kate, yeah, tell us about yeah
0: it. six game winning streak. I think I believe now it's seven. I think they played today, so I believe now it's seven game winning streak. Rangers are hot, right? I think the Rangers. What's interesting is that they had such like a high payroll last year, and they unfortunately didn't stick out with their starting pitching. Like Degrom got hurt, Avaldi. And they went out of the market and they said, you know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the next best thing. I'm gonna get Max Scherzer. I'm gonna get Jordan Montgomery. Um, I thought that was a great pickup. Montgomery did fantastic in his debut. Scherzer struggled a little bit in the first couple innings, but again, so people were getting on Scherzer, and I'm like, he gave three runs. Like, can everyone relax? Like it's still Max Scherzer. Anyway, but I believe they won the trade deadline. They have elite pitching staff, and they can hit. Their problem wasn't the offense. Their problem was the pitching going into the trade deadline. And they addressed exactly what they needed to address. And as we always say, in the postseason, what's going to matter? It's going to matter to the pitching. Hitting, not so much. It's always 2-1, 3-2, not a lot of runs. So pitching is going to take you far, and they address that. I thought, I thought they won the trade deadline, but I'm curious. If you don't think the Rangers, who do you believe won the deadline?
1: I mean, I would, I would have to say them. Montgomery and Scherzer are both excellent pickups to a starting rotation. Like, the the only thing with the Rangers now is that they're starting to run into the injury bug with, like, three of their guys that they sent to the All-Star game are on the shelf right now. It's like Eovaldi, Josh Young, who I think he could be out for, like, six weeks now, um, and Jonah Heim. The, so Mitch Garver, I think, has done really, really well in filling in for, for Jonah Heim. He's been on this eight-game history right now. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm worried that now that their pitching has been figured out that the offense that has been so good this year, I'm a little worried about them. Corey Seager is kind of day to day. He's like not a hundred percent healed from his injury. Bruce Bochi's taking him kind of slow with his return. So they're missing a lot of firepower in that offense. And I'm wondering where the production is going to come from when you're missing the presumptive AL rookie of the year, Josh Young, your all-star catcher, your $400 million, $300 million shortstops kind of weird. It's like, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried.
0: I understand. I, but at the same time, like they're doing this right now with a lot of the guys on the IL. So hopefully if they come back, you know, I know you said, Josh Jones out for six weeks. If hopefully if he's back, like right before the postseason that'd be great. Maybe, maybe middle of middle of uh, September, end of September and goes right into October. But I, I think they can, I think they can pass the Astros, like not pass they're already ahead of the Astros, but I think they can remain on top in the West. May postseason. I, I have them in the ALCS. So Ooh. Rangers won the deadline. They're going to the postseason. That is my pick on what is the date? August 8th. That is my pick.
1: I like their GM, Chris Young, a lot too. Not afraid to spend money. Bruce Bochi, I think, deserves a lot of credit in this whole thing. One of the best managers of all times in your dugout. So I think yeah. if anybody can weather the storm of all these injuries, and, you know, dealing with all this, like, superstar talent and managing egos and keeping the locker room together, it, it's Bruce Bochy. So, um, very, very happy to see what's going on down there in Arlington. We are a Texas Rangers podcast, by the way.
0: this is yes, a Texas, this Rangers, is a Texas podcast.
1: Rangers podcast. Um, last up is we're going to talk about the other New York team. It's the New York Mets because, Kate, you told me a little bit about this. You teased this take earlier, but I wanted to give you a chance to kind of fully expound on this. But um, the New York Mets and the trade deadline – what do you think? I
0: think they won. I think they absolutely won. I do. Because here's the thing. If you're going to pick, at least pick a direction, they said, pack it up selling. I don't care. We're going to focus on 24, 25, 26, etc. I don't even know about 24, but really going to be good in 25, 26. We're looking at a clear year for the world series. That's what we're doing. Get rid of anyone. We don't need. I like it. What, what I found very interesting I'm going to read this quote. This is from GM. Billy Epler told the reporters, I do want to be clear that it's not a rebuild. It's not a fire sale. It's not a liquidation. This is just a, rep- a repurposing of Steve's investment in the club and kind of shifting that investment from the team into the organization. I'm sorry. You'll get rid of your two starting pitchers, your closers and outfielder. What? We're not going to call that a fire sale? You get rid of names like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, respectively, the two highest paid salaries in Major League Baseball, and you are going to say, not a fire sale. No, no, it's not. It's a, what is he calling it? A repurposing of Steve's investment in the club. What does that mean? Meanwhile, you got Scherzer going to the media saying, I asked them, I asked them straight up, I said, are we going to be good next year? And they were like, oh, I don't know. Like, we'll see. We're kind of just going to sell some of our assets. He's like, see ya. That freaking waving that trade clause looks really good right now because I'm not staying here. I want to win. Anyway, I digress. I do think that the Mets, though, did semi-win at the deadline. I mean, they've won one game since the trade deadline. So I would love to know the numbers at City Field right now. I'd love to see what you're doing. If you're a Mets fan, are you going to games? Are you not? Um, I'm going to the game tomorrow, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, so here, here's the quote from Scherzer. I talked to Billy. I was like, okay, are we reloading for 24? He goes, no, we're not. Basically, our vision now is 25, 26. 25 the earliest, more like 26. Can you imagine being a 38-year-old pitcher and someone <laughs> saying to you, not next year, not the year after that, but maybe when you're 40, will be good when you're on your way out. If I am Scherzer, I'm also going sayonara. I commend Scherzer for that, but sorry. That was my little rant. <laughs> Justin, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
1: What a flex to be like repurposing of investment. That's that's like operating a company. That's like a, that's operating like a fortune 500 company. But, but I mean, when you're Steve Cohen, it's like you have the money. It just blows my mind that, yeah, they, they realized that they were this bad. Like, after all this time and effort and money and you, and you stockpiled your your team with all these, these veteran players that you thought were going to be good for this year, and you were so good last year to have it all crumble within the span of, like, with not even a calendar year. It's got to be hard for Mets fans. They finally had hope. Like, Uncle Stevie, I, I love when they were calling him Uncle Stevie. Uncle Stevie's going to fix everything. We're going to buy whoever. We're the bad boys of baseball. Get the checkbook out. And then... Surprisingly, that didn't work because teams like the Orioles, the Rays, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, like all of these teams that don't spend any money, the, who have, uh, have payrolls under shares or like contract for a year, they're like, oh fuck, this isn't working. Like, yeah, what a what a 180 that has to have been for Mets fans in the last couple weeks. But uh, I don't feel bad for them at all. I'm sorry. I mean, like you no. spent so much time gassing your team up gassing everything up to have it crumble in a spectacular fashion like that is objectively hilarious so uh yeah good luck competing in 2026
0: in 26 you guys will win the world series so just i don't know find another sport until then maybe roof of the orioles they're fun to watch i
1: don't know the knicks knicks are pretty good you could always just you know football's coming up that that might take your mind off it for a little The Giants are pretty good, so yeah. yeah. And the Jets have Aaron Rodgers. There's things you could do as Mets fans (laughs) to kind of like occupy your mind for a little bit and just forget all about all the times you tweeted Uncle Stevie's got the checkbook. Um, What a what a what a what a whirlwind. But yeah, that is funny to tell a pitcher that's like in win now mode. He's like, guys, I have a my hourglass is almost empty. There's not (laughs) a lot of sand in this thing. I really would like to win, and they just like, no, we're not. You're nope, not here. Not next year. Not the year after. Not the year keep, after. Keep going. Keep going. Which is crazy because, like, these next couple, like, free agency pools are going to be stocked with players. So they hear oh them God, be like... Yeah. I mean, you're, you're to tell me the Mets aren't going to be players for any of these big-name free agents that are coming up? I think they're all talk. Who knows if that's true? Yeah, I think I think Uncle Stevie will make a return. Yeah. It's like he the end of an Avengers cool. movie where, like, the, the title card flashes and it's like, Steve Cohen will return in... Yes. 20, yeah. <laughs> It's too funny. He's coming back with a vengeance and his checkbook's bigger than ever and he really doesn't care about the luxury tax. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Uncle Stevie will save the day. Um, well, cool. All right. Well, I know this episode recording took a little bit longer than we had originally budgeted for uh, a Tuesday night, but we did it. We're, we're better for it. We're better people because of it. And I think this experience has really kind of just strengthened the bond has been created across these airwaves um so what a time thank you for for riding shotgun once again kate uh we have a couple fun interviews coming up uh so with that all being said thank you for listening and we will see you guys next week and before we get out of here a special thank you to the band stick figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music stereo and everybody's getting down you can't seem to let it go running like a video you're haunted by the weight of